And if they're at all happy where they are and what they've become, from selling out to doubling down, let's talk punk rock business and what happens when the two get all mixed up. Here is your host, Bill Florio. This is Bill Florio. Yo, this is MC Charlie Boswell. Hey, it's Dave Harrison. Today we got Cardone. His name's Adam Cardone, but we can just call him Cardone because he's a magician. I like having someone with the magician name. Either the like, I feel like Cardone is is an interesting change from like Bill Smith. Yeah, so he he does a bunch of stuff. I mean, it sounds like he promotes shows. He uh, he's been he's a very very uh, heavily trained, experienced magician. He does card tricks like sleight of hand right in front of people, which are, what I understand is like really takes years and years and years to perfect. Uh, he does ventriloquism, and he was in Toilet Boys, and he was also in Karen Black, which are both, like, crazy spectacle bands from New York City. So it, it's nice to have a New Yorker on. A real, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not a New Yorker. I know, but he's, he's, a, he's been here long enough. He's definitely a New Yorker. <laughs> what do you think they're called? Altunians? Altunian. <laughs> we learned a lot about Altoona, Pennsylvania as well. <laughs> Well, Bill and Charlie apparently already knew a lot about Pennsylvania, so we started again. with a stack I think I'm going deck. back in October. <laughs> <laughs> you love anachronistic tourist locations. I went to both Johnston Flood Museums, Final Destination. I only went to, to one twice. There's one at the top where the That's dam the broke. One. That's the National Park. That's the National Park Visitor Center. That's the good one, yes. And then the bottom of the hill is like another one. The one at the bottom didn't seem as good. I never was able to get there before it closed, though. Bill, did you go to the shitty Niagara Falls Wax Museum I told you about? I did. <laughs> I've been there twice. That was my <laughs> rehearsal dinner for my wedding. <laughs> I, mean, I liked it. It was, shitty. It was a good, authentic I, wax I have, museum. I, uh, Not like I this bullcrap Madame Toussaint where they have celebrities just standing in a room with no freaking diorama around them. Yeah, I know. It's not like waxworks could happen there. Yeah, it, it's... It, Anyway, if you like all the stuff we're talking about, you're definitely going to like Cardone. He, he had we a talked lot about of Pez. Philosophy, we talked about Dungeons and Pez, Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it was awesome. It's it's everything. Like get some cereal, like like you know, and and this. If, if you're 13 right now, and and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast. Yeah, I, don't but think 13, I don't think there's any chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're 13, listening to this podcast, wondering why you know what you could do to get laid. Apparently, it's Dungeons and Dragons all the way. And and horseshoe curve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. All right, let's roll the tape. All right, Mr. Cardone, we usually start this podcast off where you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do for a living. Hey, what's up? My name is Adam Cardone, and uh, I basically, for a living, live as a full-time performer of sorts. I consider myself a working-class entertainer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's very broad. You wear a blue collar on stage? Yeah, I get paid to entertain people, and I have many means of doing that. <laughs> Let's yeah, list them. I mean, I mean, my my day job <laughs> is I do magic. I get hired for private and corporate functions to do magic shows for you name it. That's who I've done. And then on top of it, I get hired to also bring other tainers with me. So I'm, I'm booking other acts and putting it together and producing shows for private entertainment. And then um, I got my music stuff that I do. So that's a whole nother. <laughs> so what makes it blue collar? Well, it's blue collar because I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. So I'm self-employed, even though I have agents that book me. That's usually I, I'm, not I'm the inside. definition of blue collar. It's like a self. I have my, it's like um, <laughs> I'm a small business owner. It's like me literally working job to job doing a hustle. And so there's no um, trust fund funding at all. <laughs> Got it. You got no backers. Yeah. And that's what I've noticed. I mean, I've been in showbiz now for a long time and I would say 80% of the people I know that do well had a trust fund before. 
80% at least. Yeah, because it's almost impossible. So, so you say, are, are you kind of behind that notion that, you know, the artists in the world don't actually have the talent because they were, they had the means and privilege to to do it full Some time? Some do, but it's not even the talent. It's the story to tell. It's not even talent-based to me. It's the story to tell. What are you saying and where did you come from? And somebody that grew up with the Silver Spoon, to me, the story's not there for me. You know, I always remind people all the great art forms were invented by extremely poor people. And rock and roll, jazz, all of these things were people crying out through some sort of artistic means. And they weren't crying out because they were too rich. <laughs> it was the suffering which makes it come out, you know? Do you see that? I mean, do you see a, I know I'm probably jumping way into this way too early. <laughs> do you see a link between punk rock and magic and magicians and escape artists and all, all the, the work that you do outside of music? Is there a similar ethos to it as there is with punk rock? Do you get, that's the whole thing. See how fast we got into philosophy? <laughs> the only took a second. So uh, that's how my life is. It's all about philosophy. So basically the, the DIY the do it yourself, the I'm going to do it my way and I don't really care what your opinion is. And then on top of it, if you have a bad opinion of it, it doesn't offend me. To me, that's what punk rock is. And I use that in everything. That's my, that's part of my DNA. Is, is that part of magicians too? Like do the magicians have like a Hippocratic um, oath or something like that? Okay. So magic to me is really interesting because the way I look at magic and magicians is not how you would think if you would interview another magician, you're going to get a very different story because for me, real magic, witchcraft, black magic, divination is the exact same thing as fake magic. They were invented by the same guy, the shaman, and they all have the same results at the end. They're invented by a person like if you go back enough, far enough in time, the archetype of the holy man, the shaman, the village witch doctor that motherfucker invented everything we know. Everybody else was hunting and fishing and, and making babies. And that guy was a weirdo. He was a hermaphrodite. He was blind. He was, he was albino. He was born with no legs. Something was different about him. He didn't get to hunt and fish. He sat and observed people. That guy, he's the modern carny. He's the wise carny. He's the wise guy. He's the guy that learned everything. And uh, to me, that's what magic is. <laughs> so, is, that, is that the same thing as like wrestling is real? And wrestling is fake? You could say that. Yes, you could. Yeah, wrestling and magic have similar qualities. But so is reality TV, our elections, the news, <laughs> politics. I mean, you can keep going. So it's all the same. It's all bullshit. Everything's bullshit. I mean, everything. Everything's bullshit. No truth. Truth is bullshit. Tru no, facts are bullshit. Truth is real. <laughs> and this is why I hate atheists. I always thought that, though, growing up, I mean, I always thought that about religion because as a Catholic, I was always like, oh, these motherfuckers don't have to do anything. Like, they have the best gig because they convince people to give them food and shelter and whatever, and all they have to do is is pretend to worship this guy in the sky. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so the witch doctor character, though, for me is very important because I take it very seriously. Like, I work as a magic guy. You know, I do card tricks for people, and I do some – I do the mind-reading stuff, too, but – the thing is, when you're a magician, it's a 24-hour gig. You, I don't dress. I hate it when I see people acting in character as a magician. I'm like, why are you pretending to be somebody else? Magic's real, you idiot. It's not theater. <laughs> Gandalf is fake in a movie. Magicians are real. They're humans walking around doing this stuff in real life. You know, it's very different. There's no fourth wall, and there's no suspension of disbelief. Because if there is, it ain't magic, you know? Can you go too far, though? Like I, I, just, I remember reading about Houdini, and he he was like really into dispelling, you know, kind of like hucksters. And he was, and I, have, I disagree with him. Oh, okay. I think he's an idiot. <laughs> I think he's a fucking idiot. I'll say it right there. Fuck Houdini, dude. He wasn't a real wizard. There you go. I can I can make people do things they don't want to do, or they want to do, or they don't even realize it by my own means. And you could call it psychology. You could call it magic. You, you know, there's all sorts of ways to look at it and frame it. So, well, could you, could you use it for, could you use it? Like, could you just use it for grift? Is that okay? Grift meaning what? Like I'm going to, you know, use my magical skills to, 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 you know, it's one thing when you pay admission. Yes. It's another thing when like I say, I'm going to fix your house and then I magically fix your house. Or you say you're going to take your money and you do. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, now you know what the shaman was doing the whole time. Okay. <laughs> See, I mean, that's the shaman. Dude, notice. Notice there's the hunters, the fishermen, the people having babies, the guy that invented everything, 
was the shaman. So you're like a fundamentalist magician. Um, I wouldn't even call it fundamental. I mean, most <laughs> if you if you talk to most magicians, you will not hear this because they don't practice ritual magic and they don't even understand what that means. They don't know what it is. They don't know. They don't get it. They don't draw the correlation between the real and the fake, which is sad because they're missing out on the main thing that will add to their magic show. You know. All right, now we're going real deep. Yeah. So how did you get involved with the Temple of Satan? Temple of Satan is not what I'm involved <laughs> I know. In. <laughs> yeah. So please explain. Well, I mean, I, I've been, I acknowledge myself as a Satanist at a very young age, and I've always been fascinated with Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, the whole thing. And I always had deep respect for them as an actual organization, not because I think we need more Satanists. I actually don't want anybody to join or, you know, it doesn't you mean anything. You want to keep it's that all like for that. yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's all for me and my friends. So basically I always respected that they, exactly, <laughs> thank you. They, uh, I always thought that they like, they were the flag holders of like making sure people got what he did because he did something nobody else ever did before. He basically did what I just said. He, he said, hey, all of you people that are going into the occult, you're actually missing the whole point. Most people that are involved in the occult are coming from it from a um, an Abrahamic theistic view. They're, they believe in a supernatural world and they're coming from it where there's this mysterious supernatural world that if you pray and respect, things can happen. And to me, that's the same thing as Catholicism and all the above. LaVey was like, oh, no, no, no. We're going to go back to the shaman, the carny. And he himself was a carny. I come from a carny. I've done a million carnival gigs and circus gigs. So I see where, I see where he was going. So at an early age, I was like, one day I will join. Um, and nobody, anybody that joins thinking they're going to get something is stupid. And it, the only reason to join the church of Satan is because you're giving them a high five. That's literally it. It's thank you. You guys are cool. Here's, here's a donation. That's it. It's, now, there's no like Freemasonry. You're not going to make any connections there or anything. You make nothing. Yeah. Thank you. Here's thank for money. Go fuck yourself. That's literally <laughs> what happens when you join the church of Satan. Now, it, here's the thing though. If you want to be an active member, that's different. That's, you pay no money. There's no money involved. They don't, it's not a money-making scam. Basically, an active membership means that you, they'll start to pay attention to your stuff and advertise it for you. And they start to look at what you do in your daily life and like they help you. They'll like promote you. So I, I did it and it happened quick and they made me a reverend maybe seven years ago, which is kind of serious because once they do that, you're a legal spokesperson for the whole organization. And we kick out reverends and higher ups all the time. Like you, once you're in like that, you are ready to go at any minute because if you look like an idiot, you're out. So what, if you want to become an active member, they uh, they do a background check and make sure you're not an idiot and make sure that you are really a Satanist because we can tell in two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. Because we always say people are born one, not made. You can't become one. You either are one or you're not. Who's some notable fake Satanists out there? Well, okay, so it's not about fake. It's about <laughs> having the dogma inside. The dogma of might is right. Like, could, the could, dog, could Glenn Danzig be a Satanist? He is not a Satanist. But could he be? If you, would, you, would, you, would you allow him? If he, he was, he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm into this. Well, it depends. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's all about what he's delivering. I mean, he, he's able to deliver goods, meaning he's able to produce. And to, to us, that's a very high thing. Do you produce? Do you make something? Do you do something with yourself? What do you use your facilities for? That's a height. That's what we want. <laughs> so there's no stress test type, like Scientology way to get into Church of Satan. There's no e-meter. There's no e-meter. <laughs> do you show? Do you show movies? Do we? No, no, no. You don't no. give out free tickets on Times Square where you. They're not it? recruiting, Charlie. He said they're not there's recruiting. There's no recruiting. No recruiting. There's no recruit. We don't want anybody. I bet you don't have a movie with a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> A movie with a cape? Why a caveman. It? You said a caveman? I said a caveman. A caveman. Yeah, we, we had a 50th anniversary event a few years ago, and it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever been a part of. We had people from all over the world, and um, we have a lot of people, like, you'd be shocked at who our members are. You, you know, it's not what people think. It's not a bunch of nerds. I mean, we got colonels and doctors and lawyers and law enforcement dudes and uh, movie stars. And I mean, it's just like a gambit of everybody, moms, dads, firemen, it's everything. <laughs> it's, it's a tool. It's a self-help tool. Mostly that's what it is. 
did the parents have a point in the eighties when they were, when the whole satanic panic thing was going on? Is there actually really an underground satanic? Well, yes and no. Yes. There are, are a lot of people around that are involved that don't open their mouths and know that we harm animals and children. Um, but I always tell people they should be afraid of us because we are the opposite. Our value system is different. We have a very different value system than the way the rest of the world works, which is why we aligned ourselves in the manner we did. So, you know when they used to say that Dungeons and Dragons will lead you to Satanism? It'll lead they you to right. nerdism. Well, they lead, lead me to nerd and Satanism because they're, it, not, mutually, it they're me, not mutually exclusive. No, no, they're different. <laughs> I, I think we're I think we're gonna find out. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I can speak from experience. It doesn't lead you to getting laid. <laughs> uh, what, Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. I don't know about that, guys. <laughs> got to go to the right dungeon. Uh, you got to hang out of my house. <laughs> Whole other animal. And I ain't kidding. So you're, you're also into stoicism. Uh, yeah, How does yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Does that uh, fit I'm in nicely to your original magic and your church of Satan activity or, well, or, or uh, approach? Yes and, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, um, I mean the, the two tenets of stoicism that I hold dear are Amor Fati and, uh, Memento Mori and Memento Mori, meaning, you know, we've all got the hammer ready to hit us at any minute. Um, the hammer's going to fall. Death is going to happen. It's the unavoidable. So mind's well, um, look it in the eye and shake his hand and say hi. And same with Amor Fati, meaning Amor Fati means love your fate. And, and I take it as when bad shit happens, you take it and you say, give me more, motherfucker. I can handle it. This is part of the deal. Bad stuff's coming. I'm ready for it. You know, to me, those are the two main things I like to take out of stoicism. It, it gets way deeper than that with some of the other stuff, but those are the two big ones that fit right into with everything I just said. Okay. Is there an element of predestination in that? Like, you know, whatever's going to happen is already there. Okay. So you want to get really deep? Are you ready for this? So I'm a determinist. I think that I don't, I don't like to use the word fate because it implies gods, like de deities in the sky floating around pushing buttons. Right. So I like to think of it as everything that we do comes from something. So like, imagine you have a red M&M and a green M&M. You would think you have a free choice of which one, right? But that choice that you make came from somewhere. When I was and a kid, you didn't have that choice because the federal government banned the red M&Ms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they didn't have red, right? They banned it. We used to have red. We had red. And then they took it away because of red dye number five or something. That's it. And, and then they added to blue. Yeah, but that was later. Yeah. <laughs> So like, yeah, so I do think that everything comes from somewhere and now neuroscience is proving it. If you have a red M&M and a green M&M and you're going to choose, they can show you with neuroscience that before your conscious thought of choosing, you've already decided and then you bullshit yourself with this free will bullshit. <laughs> I swear to God, it's when I saw the neuroscience, I was kind of shocked. So what does that mean for black magic? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It's like predicting the weather. The shaman eventually thought, oh man, when the Cold air hits the hot air. Oh my God, it's going to rain tomorrow. You know, he started being able to like guess the weather because he was able to sit and observe. Well, to me, everything's that way. Everything, the way everything moves, the way our behaviors are, and you can kind of start to see where things are pushing. Hence, divination, predicting, magic. But here's the real magic. And if you watch The Wizard of Oz, this is what the movie's about. The, the Wizard of Oz is a fake wizard, but he goes to a magic planet and becomes the most powerful guy. Right there it is. There's, there it is. This guy who's not really a real wizard is able to do it too. That's and, like Apocalypse Now. Or, yeah. or Reverse <laughs> Superman. <laughs> so well, the guy, that wizard, is able to get everybody to look through his frame. That's what it is. He... Everything's determined and you're going to watch it through his shoulder. It is funny you mentioned that. I, you know, I, I, I worked uh, for a brief period of time. I worked in reality television and we would have to cast people because when you're trying to sell a reality show, you can't sell it without telling them what's going to happen. But you don't know what's going to happen because you haven't filmed it yet. So you have to pick people based on what you think they're going to do. So you say, oh, this person's going to want to sleep with this person. This person's going to want to fight this person. This person's going to want to do that. And you'd be, I mean, you probably wouldn't be, but most people would be amazed at the amount of accuracy if you were good at doing that and your job would be the story editor. Uh, one you day, would, I wish we had more time. I'd sit down and show you how how I work this stuff and you'll be like, wow. Maybe that's another revenue stream. You could you can work reality television. <laughs> maybe. I have a lot of friends in that business and they all hated it and got out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they just got everyone drunk at different levels. 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> Speaking of fake, <laughs> I've been approached by so many reality shows to do stuff, and I, most of it's just What like, did they approach you no. to do? Well, the one that I actually did and shoot the pilot for, I thought it was a great idea, just no one liked it because it was too scary, was basically it's me and another guy, two occult experts that had completely different opinions on the occult. Me coming from the psychology point of view and neuroscience and the other guy coming from a spiritual point of view. So the show was me going around the U.S. with him getting curses put on me to see if I can handle it. Ha, I'd watch From that. various witch doctors. <laughs> we did three episodes. Could, it was you could, awesome. could you handle it? Well, I did, yeah. You sure? Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting is even I'll admit if the wizard's good enough, they can get to the skeptic. Because uh, I'm writing a book on it right now, actually. But yeah, even the skeptics. They couldn't, they couldn't get to Houdini. Well, maybe they did. He died young. That <laughs> <laughs> was a sucker um, punch, though, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's some conflicting reports on that, too. Okay. Houdini was mad that... You know what the problem with Houdini is? No, because I like Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, the problem he had with real magic was he was theistic. So... He was Jewish guy. He was born. He was a theist. He believed in God. And then he tried to contact his dead mom and saw magic tricks and it hurt him. It like literally emotionally made him upset. So then he went after all these psychics and mediums. So he didn't come at it from a pure exactly. open-minded perspective. He right. came at it with an agenda. Yes. My whole book on how to curse people is on Wait, the first What's the part. difference? Well, the difference is if, he's trying if to you're expose a theistic them, person- well, if you have a theistic mindset, you believe that there's literally things in outer space controlling the world. And if you ask them nicely, they'll help you. You Seriously, that's, I mean, to me, that's a really big difference on how people live their lives. No, but I'm saying, what's the difference between Houdini exposed, if he exposed them for whatever means he exposed them? I mean, some people think they should be exposed because they're taking people's money. You know, they're, they're, they're using uh, trickery. And, and, and messing with people's emotions and taking their money. But if it's the, the the trickery and messing with their emotions, even if they weren't taking their money, you can still say it's... Well, that's what I'm saying, like, is the problem is you could take any religion and apply that formula. So, in using theistic notions as their cusp, you know, that's why all the theistic religions have more bloodshed than anything on earth, especially monotheism. That's the next level of theism is monotheism is dangerous. Polytheism is not great, but at least there's room for other truths. Whenever there's one God, one truth, get the fuck out of my way. You can't even talk about it without fighting. So when people are coming from, a, that's why our entire government system's Abrahamic monotheistic mindset. When I read philosophy, these guys are all coming from a polytheistic mindset. So it's actually very different. And I'm very, I, I pay attention to those details. I take it very seriously. So what, what drives you here to collect things like breakfast cereals? <laughs> and, and wow. What, 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 See, what is the range of your breakfast cereal collection? You have Kaboom? Well, I mean, I don't really have a breakfast cereal collection. Adam Yo has a breakfast cereal collection. I know. We know someone who has one. But it, I mean, it's I like do, a specific date period, though, right, Charlie? Well, it's just unique. It's stuff, like 1978 yeah. to 84 or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of cereal boxes. You don't have Robin Hood Prince of Thieves cereal, do you? I don't even consider myself a cereal collector, but I guess I could be. Because <laughs> I have a lot. I mean, I have a lot you of have collections a, you have, of a lot you have of a weird Mr. things. T cereal? What was that, Charles? Mr. Mr. T cereal. cereal. There's little T's There's little that. in it. Yeah, I remember that. I used to get that one. So wait, Fruit Brute or Yummy Mummy? Well, f I like them both, but I have I have both boxes. I, a Yummy Mummy came way late. That was the latest. So Fruit Brute's way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, let me go say hi to this chick really quick. Okay, Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I have so many more questions. Okay, that wasn't, that was somebody else. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> it's very busy here today. Where's that? It's like, Are you working in a magic store? Who me? No, no. I've done that before. Yeah, you, you, you have. I mean, is that is that a typical thing a lot of magicians do? Um, no, because there's not that many magic. It's like every magician's dream, I guess, to do it. But I did it uh, at a few different places, and I, I again, I grew to hate it. I learned a lot, and my chops got really good because I was practicing like really hardcore stuff. But I just got sick and tired of you know watching people the way they learned magic and used it at such a fickle level. I was like, wow, this is such a great thing that could be, you know, even like a simple, stupid magic trick done right is really powerful. And people wouldn't practice. A lot of even professionals, their their skill level's low. And it always made you me mad. You know what's even worse? Their humor level. Which one? Say again? <laughs> humor, humor level. level. 
Well, the humor, again, just a lot of guys, their magic shows aren't magic. They're parodies of magic shows, meaning they're kind yeah, of making exactly. fun of magic. I don't like that. And they're joke. No, me neither. I like the real the fucking thing. What is the point of these stupid people... jokes? Yeah. I mean, I'm not I mean, saying you can it can't use... be funny, but I mean, just, right. it's like, it's all a setup for really bad jokes that are just Yeah, not... you're with me. You're on the same page as I am. The trick, if you're a, a comedian, fine, you're funny and you do a magic trick, but if you're a magician... The magic has to be more powerful than the comedy. I mean, that's just, if you're going to be funny, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But, you know, now, sometimes, the, sometimes the magic is more powerful than the comedy, but it's not, be it should it's be. not because the magic is good, though. Well, here's a little <laughs> bit of a se secret. Comedy, if you can make somebody laugh, you literally create a hole in their mind. When you laugh, if you can get a genuine laugh out of somebody, you could do something right in front of their face and they won't see you do it. That's a technique, actually. And when you saw it, it was done poorly. But if you do it correctly, it's a very powerful technique. I mean, spies use this shit. Is that why everyone thinks Jeff Dunham's such a good ventriloquist? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, I haven't seen him in a while. I, I have, I, I, used, I remember he was. Wait, what's happening here? All right, ventriloquism from a young age. Yeah, yeah, I started all of this very young. I started getting paid doing shows in like ninth grade. That's when I started hustling. Where did you do your first show? What kind of shows? Yeah, I would do like it was in central Pennsylvania and I was getting backyard parties, uh, block party, birthday party, library function. And there was only a few magician guys in the small town. So I was cleaning up, you know, I was getting work. There was I had, a, I had an agency in my little tiny town and they were booking me and I'd show up and they'd be like, wow, you're young. <laughs> <laughs> be like, did yep. You, did and you get working papers? Was oh. it like off the books? Mm -hmm. Well, I did. I was getting paid by check from an agency, so I mean, I didn't declare any of that shit back then. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I was doing really well at a young age. I was working one hour and making as much as some of my friends would make in a few days at like Taco Bell. You know? Wow. So, so did that come before music, or was it around the same time that you before. got into? Well, I mean, I was. I mean, the music as a passion and love didn't come until I was like, you know, 12, 13, that's when it hit. But I didn't start playing in a band until I, I mean, I was in a bunch of little bullshit bands that didn't really do much except for like weekend fun stuff. I didn't do anything serious until I moved to New York, but I was ready, you know? I mean, I've seen the Toilet Boys and I feel like there's a spectacle there. Do you think, you, oh, could, yeah. you, could you see yourself in a band that didn't have that? Like just the, some dudes playing well, I've songs? Done it. I mean, I've done, I mean, I did, so I did Toilet Boys, we toured pretty heavy for a good six, seven years, and then we stopped, and then we started again. We still do shows. Then I did Karen Black, which is also a spectacle. And then last year and a half ago, I started jamming um, with this band Opulence we put together, and that's really not a spectacle. And I sing in that one, which is very different. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the spectacle to me is cool, and it actually helped Toilet Boy because it, it let us get the bigger shows like we could handle the big stage pretty quick um but yeah i mean i for me it's the tunes you know my favorite band lives ramones and they didn't do shit <laughs> hey listen and they, they blew everybody out of the water so well you know that there was some conversation that i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for between johnny and Dee, Dee in the beginning where they're like all right we're gonna walk up to the stage at this to the front of the stage at this point then we're gonna back up this is when we're gonna take our jackets off i mean there was yeah. definitely it's, oh, yeah. it's low-key but i mean maybe it's low-key in the same way you're talking about with magic. I mean, there was definitely something hypnotic about watching the Ramones. They kept it simple. They didn't add their, to me, when you keep adding too much crap, it's ego. And, and, and they didn't, they, they knew what they were doing. They had a vision that was very simple and they stuck to that simple vision. And they kicked ass. Yeah, they kicked ass. And musically that, you know, people think their songs all sound the same. I disagree. I mean, their music's all over the place. Oh, no way. But there was still a consistency to it. It's real rock and roll, you know? It's the original rock and roll with some doo-wop thrown in. Before the English ruined it. Played by a bunch of thugs. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to listen to. I remember, I remember the first time I heard the Ramones, I was like, this is what I this is what this is what I wanted all along even before I knew it. And it, I was sniffing glue before I heard them. So when I heard them, <laughs> so when I, heard them I was like, oh my god, they're singing about sniffing glue. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was like, wow, they're like me. They're singing about chainsaws and glue sniffing. This is like, these are my friends. Like, okay. So was Toilet Boys your first band when you came to New York? Yeah. I came to New York. I baked bagels for a year. I was baking bagels in this bagel store. It was crazy. It was one of the hardest jobs I ever had. And then during that time, about a year after I joined, and then it was pretty quick. We started getting some killer shows quick. Um, 
it was just, we were just at the, it was like timing. It was right time, right place. The scene that we were all hanging out in was starting to jam. It was just like, it was perfect. You know, it was perfect timing. On, on your website, uh, under the resume section, yeah. you have a bunch of places, then you have a bunch of people. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So like, cachet. so like, were the people your assistants in the magic show? Or were they just they in the clients. audience? Oh, okay. No, they were clients. So you didn't cut Joey Ramone or Al Lewis in half? No, well, no. Okay, so um, <laughs> Al Lewis, I did an actual magic show with. I got at a, at a dyke bar. How's that for funny? <laughs> uh, Meow Mix, back in the old days, oh, through yeah. a Halloween event. Yeah, and they hired him and me and a bunch of other people. And my job was to rope him into a magic show somehow. So I wrote this thing for him. It was crazy. Was that before or after he ran for mayor? After. It was okay. governor. He ran for governor. <laughs> yeah, I have the t-shirt somewhere. Can, can you I, make... I have the t-shirt. Can you make Marky disappear forever? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of annoying now. Marky. We toured Canada with Marky and Didi. Oh, wow. And we, I've done some... Yeah, we got to hang with them a bunch, like... We played Joey Ramone's birthday party and got to, um, it's my favorite show we ever did. People always ask me what my favorite show was. Is that Coney Allen High? Yeah. He called us and was like, want to play at my birthday party? (laughs) We're like, yeah. And he's like, learn a bunch of songs. We'll do them. (laughs) So we did a whole Ramone show with him singing. That's awesome. (laughs) You do, you do magic to a bunch of different audiences. Do you kind of like set yourself up for that audience? Like, is there a different show based on like who's asking and yeah, and yeah, thing. yeah. Is, there, is there, is there like a formula to it or is, does, does anyone like well, ever micromanage it? Do you ever have like a bar mitzvah and the mom like has to approve every trick? Yeah. Okay. Well that they, they, I tell them to go fuck themselves. That doesn't happen. If I, it starts to get like that. I I'm out. I'm that guy. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, you either trust me or you don't. But, but I will say when I teach men, Magic. I have some students I teach magic to. A master magician can perform for anybody, any size of group, anybody. A little kid, an old person, non-English speaker, it doesn't matter. So every job is to me like um, a medical thing. I look at it and I assess what's going to be the best for that situation. And every single one's different. So yes, it's, and it only, t- and you need flight time to figure that out. So it's a big, that's the hard part. How do you do one weekend? I'll do a bunch of bankers for Deutsche Bank in the morning, do a bu- Saturday afternoon, do a bar mitzvah. Saturday night, do the slipper room, which is me competing with half naked women. And then Tuesday, Hell's Angels. <laughs> like literally, I'll go from little kids to rich businessmen to like biker gang dudes. And I have to make all of them clap their hands and have some sort of fun. Yes, the material, the material can be the same, but the how it's done is what's being changed. The vibe, the energy, the, you know, the details. Well, so how much of that is a little masochistic? I mean, are you afraid that, are you afraid that one day it's all going to go horribly wrong and the Hells Angels are going to beat the shit out of you? Or are you just kind of like, this will be I hang out with lots of really tough people (laughs) and none of it, uh, there's no fear. If there's any fear involved in any way, shape or form in any of that stuff, people shouldn't be in show business. You know, I've done the real deal. Yeah, so. Gotties, you know. <laughs> what real deal did you do? By Howard Beach. Who do you think hires me? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of Italian people here. Make my kid laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Those dudes all dig my stuff. Make this guy disappear. <laughs> yeah, well, that's their job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yes. But yeah, no, it's just, you got, you know, you got to balls. That's showbiz. I remember the first time I started doing the large, the first time I said, holy fuck, was Toilet Boys had been together for about six to eight months. We were just getting our stuff together and we got the call to open up for Wasp and Motorhead at Irving Plaza and we did it and it was not easy. I mean, we were like, holy shit, this is going to be tough, but we, it worked. It was great and it led to a bunch of new gigs. So, so you know, a tough crowd. Very tough crowd, but we pulled it off. We, you know, we got a freaking drag queen singer and we're going to open for Motorhead. And guess what, dude? He loved us. He was into it. He was totally, we had a Motorhead cover and the management were like, you can't play it. And we were like, all right, we won't play it. And Lemmy came over to us and went, I heard you play one of our songs. (laughs) And we were like, yeah, we do. And he goes, I want to hear it. And we were like, they told us no. And he goes, fuck it, play it. (laughs) So we played it. It's like, you're the new girl school. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He loved it. You know, he liked the New York Dolls. He loved the Ramones or his favorite band. I mean, he, he was the real deal. Wasp weren't very friendly, even though I'm a major fan, but he's a holy roller now. There you go. Yeah. He's full blown born again, changed the lyrics to the songs. People forget he was in the New York Dolls. 
Oh, yeah. Blackie Lawless, New York Dolls, late 70s. I, I watched the Chris Holmes documentary. I highly don't oh, recommend it. I hung it. with him that night. He was there. <laughs> he was in. He was still in it then. Don't recommend that documentary. <laughs> yeah, he's messed I'll up. I'll never get yeah, that time back. <laughs> yeah. Again, everything's fake. The scene of him drinking the booze is fake. Oh, wow. Fake, 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 fake. That All that shit's fake. Dude, everything's fake. As I get older, I realize everything's fake. <laughs> Do you kind of appreciate it? I mean, like, you know, I've always, uh, I worked with a guy who had some of the best stories and, and he would just go off on tangents and just tell the most entertaining stories. And, and one of my coworkers one day was like, why do you listen to him? All of his stories, I mean, he contradicts himself all the time. They're not real. And I was like, does it matter? It's ah. fucking great. You know, like who gives a shit? Like that's, well, that's awesome. our history. Look at our history books. How much of it's not real. It's really not real. A lot of it. It's like, that's not what happened. I'm always telling my friends that like fact and truth are two different things. And if you write something down, it's fact. It doesn't mean it's true, you know, but it's a fact now you can show people. I'm going to stop the conversation for one second and tell you, if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help out with some gas money to get us the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com. Now let's get back to the show. You had some training from Jeff Sheridan, and he's like the original street magician. Is that right? And he also trained David Copperfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, um, I made really good friends with him. Like when I first met him in New York City, he, um, so the word street magic has a really weird definition. Most people, when they hear the word street magic, they think of David Blaine. And, and David Blaine is not a street magician. And the reason why he's not is he never performed magic for real on the street. He did it for his TV show. But street magic is you do a show in public and, and draw a crowd. That guy can't draw a crowd. He doesn't talk. He's, you know, he doesn't, he's like a, he's a reality team. Didn't he perform magic in clubs and stuff? He did. He did like nightclub work. Like walk, walking around nightclubs. Like, yeah. Yep. That's it. Which is not street magic. If you're on the street, you have no idea what your audience is. Yeah. He's, he's not a barker. He's not a, yeah. 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 Exactly. The outside street guy is Jeff Sheridan. He had a Central Park show. People were there every day waiting for him as if it was a theater. Like he just had to run there because he was like, oh shit, people are waiting. And he, I made really good friends with him. He lived near me and he was considered to be kind of an asshole. A lot of magicians hated him because, and the reason why they didn't like him is because he told you if he thought you sucked to your face. <laughs> he did. He's like, you suck. Get the fuck out of here. Get you. What are you doing? You're ruining this. And, and I made friends with him because I respected him deeply and took his advice, you know, to heart. And he, um, I got, yeah, I learned so much from that guy. I mean, you obviously started doing this as a kid. Like, how many years did you put in before you even met him? I mean, I met him when I was mid to late 20s. So I had a lot of time already. So I already was working. Yeah, I was already working. Wait, hold on. I think my friends are here. Hold on. Yo, yo. <laughs> are you making that up? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me go say <laughs> hi to them. I'll be right back. I think you're making that up. <laughs> Sounds fake. I bet he doesn't have friends. He's probably playing Dungeons and Dragons by himself. <laughs> there, there, I have Dungeons and Dragons questions. So hold on. Is that a magic manifestation kind of thing? I mean, like how much of your life has been something that you feel like you've either made happen or there's been something associated with it as a result of, uh, I mean, all of it, all of it, every single thing I wrote it down on paper and made it happen. You know, if there's something I wanted to do, I wrote it down and made it happen. Even the band, I, I I'd been living in New York working like a freaking dog. And I'm like, you know what? I need to be doing my thing. So I started, I went to, um, you know where the Hungarian um, coffee shop is on Upper West Side? It's still there. Hungarian Tea Room, yes. I think it's called. Like it's still there. So York, Yorkville? It's on um, 110th oh, it's and okay. Amsterdam. Oh, okay. West Side, sorry. I'm yeah, side. it's up there. <laughs> so I went in there to have tea and coffee. I was just sitting there in the morning and I started making notes and I was like, yo, I'm going to be playing in a band. Like I need to do this. I've been wanting to do this. I'm ready. There's a million bands here. And so then it was like, right under that, I wrote, okay, now go see more shows. You know, like, that's it. You got to go see a million shows. So I started and about a week later, a friend of mine had tickets to see Karen Black. And, and she was like, yo, let's go to see these, this band at Tramps. I heard they're cool. The opening band was Toilet Boys. And I ended up being in both of those bands. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That's a hell of a show. Yeah, yeah that's, it, was, that's, it was great. That's a mess. It, yeah. That's a big yeah. mess. And, and our singer, yeah. we you know, to singer clean up after that show. <laughs> and our singer yelled from the stage, "Yo, we need a bass player." I was like, "Oh shit, that was easy." <laughs> I found some band, and and they that band I auditioned twice, and then they wanted to make sure I could party at Squeezebox, which is 
pretty gay heavy scene. Very gay heavy that night was. You know, that was part of the deal. You had to like, I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. And then they, I ended up They didn't want some dude him. from Staten Island in the band. Or yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no, they right. did. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he was gay. <laughs> even yeah, then, even then, it might not have worked out. <laughs> hey, get over here. <laughs> I got something I want to show you. <laughs> no, they, they they dug it, and I started go-go dancing for the gay boys there, and it was great. It was awesome. Hence the song Go-Go Boy. <laughs> we all did it. That's why we wrote the song. <laughs> we had a gig in L.A. where we were all hired to do it at the same time, which is funny. It beats making bagels. I'll say. <laughs> and there's a lot of straight chicks hanging out. <laughs> So, so you you also teach magic. Like, how regularly does that happen, and how do how do you get hired to do that? So, I do group classes and private classes, and I do it at least one, you know once a week. I have a couple students that pop into my house. I do Zoom lessons every now and then. I'll get hired to do a large scale lesson. It just depends. But I've been doing it for a long time, and I I like it. But it, it's it's like it's not like a one time I'm gonna get one lesson thing. It's like I'm gonna get some training here. It's like sometimes it is one lesson. Sometimes somebody will hire me to just they want to learn a bunch of easy to do tricks they can do at a bar. I, I get that. Yeah, but How about sometimes like a I get corporate like a corporate client. It's like hey, we we we'll, you know we're just we're doing some team building. We want to learn do that magic. Too. Okay, oh, cool. I've done a lot of those. Whatever I, whatever it is, you 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 got the hustle. You figure it I do. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the game. There, right? That's why when you guys said, "What do you do for a living?" I'm like, I do everything. I get hired to hire other entertainers too. I do that too because uh, I know everybody at this point. Uh, so yeah, this it's just like freelance hustle. It's a nonstop. That's why when COVID hit, I'm like, I got this shit. I'm so used to this. So what did you have to do? What, 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 what did you have to do differently as a result of COVID? Well, I, I didn't change anything. The world changed. I mean, I, I just went about my thing as nothing was different. I had to start doing Zoom shows. So I started doing shows on Zoom. Um, the first thing I did was I did a Zoom show and literally sold tickets. You know, like it was like a lecture, you know, buy the ticket. Then I started doing, one of my, my agents started hustling online shows. And this last month, well, this last month I did 26 gigs. Half of them were Zoom. Last month, all private events on Zoom. So right away it started. Do you think that'll go away with the pandemic? You think there'll still be a Zoom business? Yes. Yeah, they'll still be there because a lot of them were like family reunions for people from far away. Uh, I did a bachelor party with burlesque dancers in my living room for people in Australia. <laughs> yeah. So I, I attended a drag DJ dance set birthday party see? on Zoom. So see what I'm yeah, saying? No. I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to still go. And I, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. I mean, it's not the same, but it, it kind of works. Well, you, you can know? fit, you can fit it into the it's, schedule and then go to the go to the wherever you're going later. Right. Yeah, so. that's it. That's what I did last month. I had I had 26 jobs. Half of them were live. Uh, the other half weren't. You know, they were like um, graduations and high school reunion. You know, end of year parties, stuff like that. It's, and I would just jump in and do it. So the the DJ would do a whole thing, um, uh, raffle, trivia, dance contest, and then I jump in and do magic for 20 minutes. Have you been able to monetize Dungeons and Dragons or role yes, playing games? Yes, I, I dungeon master once a week online and get paid. Wow. Yeah. I do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and women attend? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dispelling all. Dude, my, my Dungeons and Dragons group here has had Playboy models, Hustler models. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My beach group. <laughs> what have you been doing in Rockaway? Well, Rockaway Beach uh, is where I live and play and work, too. Uh, I started about three years ago doing walk-around magic at Wits End. Very easy, roll out of bed and go down and do magic for a few hours at this restaurant. The thing is, people out here tip really big. People tip well. Wit pays well. It started to be really cool. I was like, wow, this is a great restaurant gig. So what, what happened was it went from that every week to a full-blown burlesque show now that I produce. So I booked the girls, I run the show. It's and last week for for uh the 4th of July we did a really special one. I had seven performers. We had live fireworks. We had, you know, a DJ. It's a big deal, you know. It's like a really big party I'm throwing. So he keeps adding to the budget, making it bigger. So Thursday nights what's in and um it's basically a version of Do you ever see how Russian nightclubs operate? You like you go early, you eat you watch a show and then it turns into like a dance club. It's it's like that. There, there was some, like I used to do a lot of bar mitzvahs and things like that. I used to be a photographer 
Yeah. And, and a lot of all the people that did that were definitely also swingers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 I I had to like make sure I, you know, like, okay, this mom's coming in. Please don't leave the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out. Oh, yeah. I've done a million bar mitzvahs. That's that's a magician gig. I mean, I get those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is, One, is it like, how, is that word of mouth? Like, do you have like... It's both. It's okay. agents and word of mouth. Okay, so yeah, you have I have agents, agents too. Yeah. I even have a, like, I have like Hasidic agents that get me Hasidic jobs. Yeah, everything is internal. Like, so Hasidim and uh, uh, like uh, a lot of Asians, they have their mm -hmm. own and you have to get into that network. It's really hard if yep. you're not Hasidic. Uh, yep. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have some of them. Yeah. Is, is there, I would watch is there that a, documentary. Yeah, is, there a, is there a Hasidic <laughs> magician that's like just even your competition? <laughs> well, there is. There is there's a, yeah. I know an Orthodox, a couple Orthodox guys. Okay. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, None of them are not even close. <laughs> well, you said you're from central Pennsylvania. Have you tried to break in with the Amish at all? No. Oh, no. Hell no. The only people that don't hire me would be Amish and Muslim groups will not hire magic. That just doesn't. <laughs> you taking that note? Taking yeah. Note. Muslims do not like magic. I did not know Well, that. they're not allowed to. I mean, I mean, I mean, Jewish people aren't supposed to either, nor Christians, but. I mean, the answer is Judaism and Christianity have had major reformations and Islam hasn't yet. So until that happens. <laughs> so uh, you also have a Pez collection. These are things that your friend just trumps up that aren't that big of a deal. Well, yeah, like someone just gave me about 800 Pez machines. And so, <laughs> so you do have a collection. <laughs> yeah, and I have to, I'm going to organize know, I, it. I, I have an idea for a restaurant, Chez Pez. Chez Pez. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's you I do have 800. Like we Pez? Can, what? Is all the food shaped like Pez? I don't know. He's got the 800 oh, okay. Pez's. We, we're set to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. You could do the walls, yeah. But Charlie, if someone calls it Shea Pay, are you going to yes, take them out? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and they could go back to wherever they freaking moved to New York City from. Charlie, Charlie wants to be a blue-collar restaurateur. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have all the presidents. That's my only Pez collection. Oh, yeah, I like that one. I have that one. That's cool. I have you have all of the presidents because they come in different well, they sets. didn't make Trump yet. They didn't make no, Trump no. I mean, yet. it's so sets like you know you have all those. Yeah, sets yeah. I got all the sets. Oh, I, I have like the sets, sets of like the the Mil Mil Millard Fillmore set or whatever. I was gonna say so. There's like a James Buchanan. Yeah, yeah. That's the ones that have is. like Buchanan. Yeah, and there is. Fillmore. One of them was very expensive, and I had bought the rest, and I'm like, oh crap, I'll just. Buy I, they didn't do a Trump one yet. That's funny. I didn't not realize yet. that. Uh, I they saw will. some people are making there. There was there's one you could buy that's not official Pez. I see. I, 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 you gotta I, wait until like three more come in. I'm sure when like three more come in, they'll extend it. Yeah. Interesting. Because the Obama one comes with a podium. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. an odd number or something. I love it. I like, um, my favorite Pez's are the guns. Pez guns. That's awesome. Oh, I bet they don't make those anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you shoot yourself in the face. It's great. <laughs> and it's got a clip. You load the clip and you shoot it. Wow. I got to find a picture of that. Uh, I have one here. They're great. There's two different kinds. One looks real. Yeah. That's kind of like, I mean, I, I love that idea of, of you like just my, collecting uh, Pez idea? dangerous old toys. I love Chess Pez. Uh, I definitely oh, yeah. I mean, my, I mean, my, like, local, my local stop. Dangerous love, toys is my jam. Well, I mean, like like the old Mr. Potato Heads, where it was just like the pieces in with metal spikes that you yep. use on a real potato. Yep. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yep, love it. Lawn darts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to explain uh, to. I was with my nieces and nephews. I was trying to explain um, uh, candy cigarettes because they didn't know what they were. They don't know what it is. No. Get out of here. I bought those you for my daughter when she was like three. You can buy them at like Cracker Barrel, but I'm pretty sure there's they, like they don't some, say cigarette. You could buy them at old time candy. Well, that's what Cracker Barrel is all like old timey. No, but like, there's a store old time candy. You get the Americana oh, really? candy. But candy cigarettes don't say cigarettes anywhere. It just says candy. Candy sticks now. Yeah, candy sticks. sticks. Yeah. <laughs> candy cancer sticks. <laughs> that's what it should say. But the gum ones were fun because when you blew on it, the freaking smoke came out. Yeah. Right. It did a little puff. Yeah. I remember oh, that. I haven't favorite. seen that in a while. And they were different colors too. There's a candy. I forget. It's like not Mallow Cup, but it's like that. I went to the I went to the I'm Mallow from. Cup factory. I'm from yeah? there. That's Altoona? my hometown. Right. Altoona. Yeah, Altoona. I'm from there. Is this is, is the Mallow Cup still popular there? Uh, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like them. 
Um, I grew up going there to buy the seconds. I, my grandmother lives walking distance to that place. And what's the other thing they make? Clark? They do a cl- um, Clark bar, right? Yeah, they do like a Clark bar yeah. or something. Yeah, It's weird because I would always have thought, I mean, I like Mallow Cup better, always have, but I would have thought Clark was more popular than Mallow Cup. Just from- yeah, Ma- you know why Mallow Cups aren't popular? There's a reason. You ready for this? Conspiracy? <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> nope. It's you. You can only. You can't airship them. That's what I was gonna get to. You yeah. read my mind. <laughs> mind reading is another skill. There it is. Yes. You can't airship the altitude, them. They blow up. The altitude cracks them. That's it. So they they, they can up. only take them like on land. That's it. Several candies like that. They have a hard time busting out of the regional That's piece. It. That's it, bro. And I actually tried it. So I bought one. It was like it was in like Minnesota or something. And I bought one and I put it on my tray in the in the Ooh. airplane. I watched it. I watched it crack. Get out of here. <laughs> I love it. Did it work? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it used to be, they told me at Mallow Cup that they used to be in production 30 days out of the month, every day. And now it's two days a month. Two days a month, they turn the machines on, make a bunch. That's it. I know. I was there. They were freaking producing. I just caught on. It must have been that you caught them on the right day. Yeah, because I mean yeah. they don't have the factory tour. Well, no, the store's always no, open. No, but the store it's has just... the, the the video to the factory. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You might have got them on a day. Oh, really? I've, I've been in there when they're doing it. It's rare. It's not as really? much as it, it's really like. Well, they do the same thing. I mean, living in Louisville now, they have the Louisville Slugger Factory, but they don't make bats every day. There's not a demand for them like they used to be. No one wants wooden baseball bats, and most of the players use different companies that they don't use Louisville Slugger anymore. Wow. But they like they put on the show for people. So when they're open for tours, they're like acting like they're making it or they're making like special bats for people's birthdays and like tiny souvenir bats and stuff. They're not making like major ah, baseball player bats. Interesting. See, isn't that weird? They went from being like the industry standard to a novelty. And so what's like, with Mallow Cup that just they're not selling as much? That's why they're only making the two days? Yeah. I mean, they're selling enough to make somebody enough money to keep doing it. But like, you know, Moxie Soda? Yeah, but, same yeah, thing. Yeah, but Moxie like, Soda sucks. <laughs> oh, no, I disagree. You're crazy. That's my have favorite. Have you ever drank Moxie with dry ice. Dry yeah, ice? No, good. but I drink it warm. I like Moxie <laughs> no, warm. You never poured it over dry ice and drank it. What's it do? Does it kill Ask you? Gamp. <laughs> Gamp, please, please send this guy a, a tell him. I need Gamp to does it every I'm year. Curious. Every year he drinks Moxie with dry ice. So I have a theory about Moxie. It's good if you drink two. It's bad if you drink one. Really? Yeah. And, and it, someone else said it's the cilantro of colas. Wow. So, oh. it, well, it has it has gentian roots, so it is. Yeah. And 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 the other thing I noticed is I think people would like Moxie if they like violet candies. I think those are really yeah. I like violet linked. candies. I also like black liquors with ammonia and salt. So. <laughs> oh yeah, my my wife is really into like the really bit. They're not even sweet at all. They're I just salty it. and yeah, and it's small doses. But I mean, Ooh. that's yeah. I mean, I used to chew a can of Copenhagen t- snuff every day. That was in my jam for years, <laughs> and I did it up. I did it on my upper lip, not my lower. I'd stuff it in fine cut too. <laughs> that was my that, jam that, for that years. That does not seem like a New York City thing. That's to a do. no, no, that's PA. Thing. Okay, Pennsylvania. <laughs> So can I can I assume I'm the only person on this podcast whose family vacation destination was Altoona? I, I went I think, there on vacation. I'm was shocked. that the final yeah, destination, I mean, Charlie, or that was a stop? Well, it wasn't the, no, it wasn't the only destination. No, no. mine was the it, final destination. It was the final destination. Wait, what were you doing there? F- uh, famous Horseshoe Curve. Horseshoe Curve. I, I, I oh, went, dude, I, I, I've, I've been I, there I, twice. So. I can't believe you've been there. I, I've I been there twice. There. Several times. Me too. That's where I used to party in high school. <laughs> I've had the sex curve? right there. While the the right at the top. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've just ruined the family this friendly you know, moment. Altoona, cut this out. Altoona also <laughs> has the world's oldest roller coaster. Have to be disillusioned. World's oldest roller coaster. Is it, is it, do they also have the co- a cog railway? Or no? The who? Conrail. Cograil. That's where it's like slanted. I think it's somewhere else. My dad was really into trains. I mean, you say that it's the oldest, they have the oldest roller coaster? The oldest operating roller coaster on earth is the Leap the Dips in Altoona, PA. Yeah. And what park? Lakemont Park. Lakemont Park? It's still park? there. Yeah. You should have told me it's, that. Isn't it like a terrible roller coaster though? Isn't it like really slow and not fun yeah, at all? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's one car that seats four people and yeah, it's very slow. Hold on, hold on. Dave, you're ruining our sponsorship. Altoona, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Altoona. They have yeah, Nalo this is cool Cup. that you guys have been Nalo there. No Cup. one's ever been there. Horseshoe Curve. <laughs> I can't believe you know that. I was I mean, there, but last time I was there, the dang trains took forever to come. 
Yeah. <laughs> the thing that we remember most, it was the first time my family was able to afford a, a room in like the Ramada Inn because it was so, ah, so cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I feel cheap like it was there. where you oh, took your war bride your, your, before your, you went your, your to the Eastern was Front. Big, uh, train guy. <laughs> yeah, my dad was really into trains. Yeah, so. right, that makes sense. Uh, and I mean, that's toy train trains, not, yeah, it's train land. There's toy trains, everything there. I had all my relatives had toy trains in their basements. It's all train stuff everywhere. <laughs> yep. My granddad, that's what he did. So, I mean, you did, you did go to college, right? I did. Did that, yeah. did that help I, you? Are you like pro or, or, or against college? So to me, again, it's apples. You know, like my son didn't want to go. My son dropped out of high school and I was cool with it actually, because he had something he was going to do. And I'm like, yeah, go do that. I'd rather you be smart and learn on your own. My college for me was special because I was diagnosed with a pretty bad learning disability when I was a little kid. And I literally had to ride a short bus to the school that had a special education program because I have a learning disability in math. But the cool thing is, is it gave me an opening. I was allowed to fail now because <laughs> they knew I was a dummy in math. And it was like, okay, he's a dummy in math, but he can perform. So I used to be able to like, I used to tell my teachers, hey, instead of doing an essay, can I do a, an oral presentation? And they would always say yes, because they thought it was harder, but for me it was easier. So I kind of hustled through high school and because of my learning disability, I was able to get into a really good college. I didn't have to take the SATs. I got scholarships. And so my college was like the army and really hard and I'm glad. Okay. That's, so for that, me, it was good. Fair. Yeah. It was more of like, I did learn a lot of really, really, really deep, meaningful things that I use in my shows, but in my business, but honestly, the, the, the discipline part really helped me. You mentioned you have a child, like if your children, one of your children said, Hey dad, I want to do what you do. Would you encourage or discourage? I would only encourage if I thought it was in their nature. If, if it's not, in their, again, that's stoicism right there. If it's, if I didn't think it was in their nature, I would be like, nah, dude, you know, this isn't, you know, but if I thought it was in their nature, yeah. I mean, I told my kids, you're going to be doing what you, you know, you think is what you're supposed to be doing, you know? The whole follow your heart I'm into, but you got to, some people aren't good at listening to their heart. You know, they're hearing it wrong, you know? And, and to me, that's the secret. I knew what I wanted to do at a very, very early age, which made it a little easier. Um, and, you know, being bad in school helped a bit, you know, for me to decide a few things. So th there's no rush too, right? To figure that out. It's no rush. And I, and like my son, he, you know, he, he figured out how to live in a hustle world. He hustles shit and makes money. And so he, um, I'm like, dude, you're, you're, he's doing what I did. He's just not doing, you know, he's doing a different thing. You know, he's doing different stuff, but he's still hustling. Awesome. That sounds yeah. like you did a good job. Yeah, that was it, man. When I realized <laughs> I could croak and my kids could like take over and just kind of start paying bills. I was like, oh, they're fine. <laughs> like they're, they're fine and I'm fine. That is success, man. Yeah, that's really. That's it. Say. That's all you need to worry about is can they take care of themselves? It's like, yeah, they're fine. You're not recruiting for Satanism, but maybe it no. works. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, we're not recruiting. It's not for everybody. <laughs> Satanism's harsh and not very friendly. <laughs> So what makes it what makes a good dungeon master? Uh, good dungeon master. Well, you got to be a good storyteller. You got to be studious. You got to know what's coming and where what the possibilities are. So when I'm going to do a good session, I I'm able to really give the experience a free choice in the game. Like they can do whatever they want. They can go fight the dragon. They can go dig here. They can. It's really open and it's not arbitrary. It really has consequences. That's a good dungeon master. As long as you don't hook them up to the ECG and see what their choice is first. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you're right. You could. <laughs> uh, ruin the game. That's all coming. Did you ever see Minority Report? Yes. That's yeah. going to become real on a neuroscience level. I've been they thinking, already I've have been thinking stuff about that like a that. lot, yeah. And then add in Red Flag Law and you got Minority Report. And you know what? That movie has no minorities in it. So I don't know if that's the future, but... Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Why is it called Minority Report? <laughs> <laughs> All white guys, <laughs> Tom Cruise guys. That's the end. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good movie. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's but it's funny that that plot I would have never thought as a possibility, and now I do. Like I get it. I get it's deterministic thought. Like you're able to look at something and on a very mic. Well, that's what the internet is. You can see. You can predict the future using the internet because you can see what the um, the zeitgeist is doing. You can see where everything's leading and feeling, and they use that now. They know they know that, so they try to affect that. That's why this whole fact-checking bullshit that's been online, I want bullshit online. I don't want someone telling me what's bullshit and not. I can't stand it. <laughs> Did you ever look and see what they use for a source to fact-check? Yes. 
It's like CNN. <laughs> CNN makes Fox News look like the Mickey Mouse the show now. They're worse. The- like it like started going the other way. It's like wow. It's definitely true that fact that we're trusting these these for profit organizations. Anytime it says fact check, I I, I say it's fake. It's fake. So as soon as I fake. see fact check, I said this is not true. So. About a year ago, during COVID, I gave up watching TV about nine months ago. I don't watch TV anymore in any way, shape, or form. I don't even watch movies. I stopped and I changed my life. Very profound manner. And the last things I saw was online TV. I forget what channel. It was a commercial for CNN. And it was a picture of an apple and a type of music they used to brainwash people. It's like... It's like this really ambient kind of sound. And the voice goes, this is an apple. There are those that tell you it's not an apple. We're telling you it's an apple. CNN, first in truth. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) kind of brainwashing. Literally, that's brainwashing 101. And anybody, this is where Donald Trump was right. The news is fucking fake. It's fucking fake. They might be able to hire you as a consultant. It's so bad. Oh my God. It is so obvious that it like hurts when I see it. It's like, oh my God. And how do people not? And my buddy, you know, they're like, oh, we don't watch the news. I just leave it on in the background. What? Much worse. Your fucking mind. That's even worse. That means your subconscious is just listening to it, not your conscious. It's even worse. But, I, think, I think there's a lot to learn here from a man does tricks for a living. Well, no, I'm serious. Right? It's part That's of what right. I learned. It's literally the same thing on a different platform. It's just being sold differently. But it is. It's it's a it's a form of it, the the word misdirection is wrong. It's direction. They're directing your mind to where they want you. They're placing. Well, I mean, you. that's. I mean. You look at you look at what Bernays did leading up to war, to the U.S. entering World War One. I, I mean, that's all the fundamentals of public relations. That's it's the it. same thing. That's it's it, all, brother. It's all misdirection. You got it. So when I see what goes on and you're in the middle of it, most people can't pull the camera back and see the big picture. I do. That's the first thing I do. I don't. I don't react. I respond. So I pull the camera back and I try to look at the whole thing. And every single time I do it, I just see horseshit everywhere on an epic scale. Coming from a, a magician, carny background, you know? An expert. You're an expert. Well, I'm an expert at, <laughs> Some of, of, it. of observing human behavior. <laughs> That's what I do for a living. I watch how people react and respond to things. And then I use it to my advantage. You're, you're, it's, it's like you were saying before about the Wizard of Oz, right? It's, yes, it's, I'm, it's I'm the guy like framing that. it for people to look through my shoulders. That's it. I see the wizards very clearly. That's what Houdini did when he walked in the room and the lady's doing the ghost talk. He's like, fuck, she's another wizard like me. Why is she getting attention? I'm not. She's fake. That's, That's what he did. And there's a good dungeon master. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he like called her out. It's like, dude, shut up. You're blowing her game up. You have a game. She has a game. There's rumors that he was killed. You know, there's like one of the mediums had a hit on him. They were like really mad that he was shutting their game down. Marjorie. Yeah. There's like somebody did a book on that one just as the plot is he possibly was poisoned actually. He's buried in Queens. He's got a cool grave. That's worth visiting. Even though even though you're you think he sucks. <laughs> well, I do. Well, you know he stole his name from another really good magician. I know, I do know that. And then wrote a book shitting on him. <laughs> That's how much of a douche he was. He not only stole the name, he wrote a book shitting on the guy that's that's the word i mean even even this the sunny boy williams and that stole the other sunny boy williams and was was a fan it wasn't like he talked shit about him afterwards yeah well this guy talks shit and then yeah so i mean he's he's when people ask me about him i'm like yeah i mean he obviously is important you know he did some great things but he's he wasn't the best i i would never put him on the best category anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to plug mention Yeah. I mean, I do a YouTube show three times a week. Actually, at 8 p.m. tonight, I'm on live. It's a live YouTube show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Cardone Entertainment is my channel. And I talk everything from punk rock to philosophy to theology to free will and Pez. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than CNN, folks. Yeah, no, it really is just, it's me learning and, and, and the, and the live chat that's happens in the group is really great. There's a lot of really great ideas and, you know, I claim no authority on anything. It's just me exploring thought, you know, I'm a thinker. I like thinking about weird shit, you know, (laughs) I like chewing on ideas and debating them. Like free will is my new debate. Here's what I have to say. If anybody has proof of free will, send it my way. I like a challenge. It's a challenge. Free will, God and voting. 
to me are all the three big bullshits people don't like to hear. Voting's fake. Two two party systems fake. Fake, 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 fake. If you're a con man and you want to develop a fake voting system, you do that. You make two parties and make them in charge. Uh, God, fake. Free will, fake. To me, those are the three fakes. And you ready for this? Our brain literally evolved to do the fake part for a reason, for survival purposes. That's I the do understand up part. that part. Yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy part to the whole equation. Well, we're seeing that now with, you know, the fact that choice paralysis is basically breaking people. You know, there's too much information to process and they can't handle it. So it needs to be simplified. Otherwise, you can't deal with it. You got it, brother. That you just said it right there. And so we, our lizard brain, our, it's the basal ganglia, the early, all it does is react to everything. You know, it's just react, 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 protest, protest, react. Throw a rock. Rah. It's that brain running the show. And the early mammal brain is the racist brain. That's the gang brain. That's the I'm I'm in the team that looks the same and you're not included. That's early mammal. You add that whole thing up and you got to see a horse shit, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why none of this shit's getting fixed. It's like it's way deeper than people think. I love know? sea of horse shit. <laughs> it's a seahorse shit. Because I thought seahorse and then all of a sudden like, no, not seahorse. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, seahorses are cute. <laughs> They're adorable. Uh, Cardone, thank you so yeah. much. This is oh, awesome. Thank you. I love chatting, guys. That was fun as shit, man. That's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here, and your mom is going jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at killedbydesk.com.